Hello, everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. My name is Andre, and I'm here with Michael. And on today's episode, we will be diving into 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Hope you guys enjoy the discussion. So today's a bit of a switch up. Instead of coffee, I'm drinking tea. And instead of coffee, I'm drinking nothing. So that's awesome. And you're sitting on your floor. <laughs> and I don't have a desk. So that's also awesome. <laughs> Dang, that's tragic. And in uh, good news, well, it depends if you're a fan or not, but I think he's exciting to watch. But Tatis just hit another home run. He is on fire. Yeah, I haven't been watching too much baseball because the NBA playoffs have just started. And at the time of this recording, the Mavs won game one which is really exciting for me. Really happy about that. Really pumped. Stole Luka a game. had a good game, bro. Triple-double? Yeah, like 31, 10, 11 or something 10, 11, like yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of helps me overlook the fact that I'm living as a minimalist now and don't have a desk <laughs> or chair. Just a bed. Are you getting a desk? No. Dang. Well, you can use the money that would have gone towards that for giving, which is what we're talking about today. That's a good uh, little transition because we are talking about giving today, talking about giving in potentially a different light than uh, what you would traditionally um, see. Just, you know, we're not going to necessarily talk about tithing is what I mean, but still super interesting. We're really excited to get into um, chapter eight of our continued uh, 13 week journey through the book of second Corinthians and uh, excited to jump in. So Michael, you want to kick us off? Yes. So we'll do a little bit of review, but last week we kind of talked about a, it was a more personal chapter of Paul, and he uh, he wrote chapter 7 about his joy and about how he's uh, had that in the uh, Corinthian church and in Christ despite the afflictions and sufferings in his life. And we talked about godly grief versus worldly grief, and he rejoiced because he has complete confidence in them. And then now he turns based on the confidence he has in them and based on, more importantly, the call that he thinks Jesus has put on the Corinthian uh, believers' lives that they need to... Uh, give to this to this offering to help uh, believers in Jerusalem struggling who are poor. And so uh, he makes a comparison, and I'll just uh, kind of give a little overview of the chapter and then let you kind of take the wheel to get into the first few verses. But he, he's going to give us a comparison with some churches in Macedonia, such as the church at Thessalonica, and uh, they're giving, and then he, and despite them being poor, how much they gave beyond their means. And then we're going to see him uh, instruct them and praise them for what they're good at and to bring that zeal into their giving that he would that they would use their abundance for the glory of Jesus's name. And then he commends Titus to them and talks to them about um, uh, Titus and people that are going with Titus to that area. But he's talking about the mission. And then next week, just to look forward, we're going to continue this topic of giving because Paul talks about it in both chapters eight and nine. It's really good, man. You know, usually I'm the one that goes a little too far ahead and in, in the in the initial description <laughs> but i'm glad that you jumped in all the way to next week so that's that's really awesome and really encouraging for 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 me for something i've been trying to to not uh to not do as much of going too far ahead but well hold back on. To the- so so we're switching roles this week so that means you're in charge of ex- external quotes greek analysis and everything else let's 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 uh, not jump the gun here <laughs> but what we will do is is jump back to uh verse number one like michael first said um paul is going to make some comparisons of um generosity and uh giving and a little bit of background in addition to what michael said uh last week when we were talking about it might have not been last week maybe the week before that 
uh, when we were talking about this, um, one, no, it was last week, this one and a half uh, Corinthian letter, yeah. this uh, middle letter between what we have as first, first Corinthians, what we have as second Corinthians, there's this letter, letter in the middle where what ended up bringing Paul great joy uh, initially uh, made him kind of, you know, have some feelings of grief. And also the Corinthians had some feelings of grief because of this strife that was caused between them. And one of the things in that letter that I read was potentially this instruction or reiteration to them to um, this continued effort of giving uh, to the believers in Jerusalem, as, as Michael has said. And here we're starting with kind of um, Paul making this appeal to them to kind of not forget about that. And he does want to, um, you know, praise them a little bit, but he's also going to use use some tactics of, of reminding them that uh, this is important, that they need to be obedient uh, to this call into um, giving generously um, for uh, the success of, of all, um, you know, the Christians in, in other parts who, who may be um, suffering more than them. As we know, in, in the first couple of weeks, uh, Michael told us, you told us that um, this group of believers uh, here potentially would have been, you know, middle class and above. They had a, a more abundant means. And Paul starts off with this um, kind of comparison with the churches in Macedonia. Um, the commentary I read of, out of said, you know, the one primarily he would have been uh, referencing here would have been uh, the Thessalonians, who would have been way more poor than uh, those here in Corinth. I mean, he says, you know, while the Corinthians were kind of trying to not get out of, but putting, uh, you know, putting off uh, saving, forgiving, and and giving generously, uh, the churches in Macedonia, uh, potentially uh, the Thessalonians specifically, it says in verse two that despite uh, the, them being in a severe test of affliction, they had an abundance of joy and um, and wanted to give generously on their part. So basically, like within their means. Um, but despite having extreme poverty, they, um, you know, wanted to give generously and wanted to give beyond their means, it says. Um, and it says here in verse four, even that they were begging Paul earnestly um, to be able to to give and, and have the opportunity, the um, the honor of giving to to the cause that, you know, Paul is asking them to give for. And he's making this comparison because he's saying, you know, you who have even more. Um, you know, you're not even asking to give, but I'm having to, you know, further instruct you, further remind you on um, that kind of thing and, and kind of, you know, reel them back into where their focus needs to be, uh, where they need to be focusing on obedience and focusing on uh, love for others and uh, other believers. Man, that's really good. But now I get to take back my old role, which is going way back because I'm still in verse one and we're, I'll work down through to verse four and catch up. But I'm just thinking, I really like in verse one, we see that the grace of God has been given amongst the churches that like the grace is made visible. Actually, my home church just became a member at the village church now that I moved back to DFW. And there was an old sermon series, I'm pretty sure called Grace Made Visible. And when that, I was reminded of that because not because of the content of the series, but the title of the series, because God's grace is made visible, um, like in the giving, like when we give and when the churches give uh, for the support of the kingdom and the mission going forth, that's God's grace made visible in that, like God uses resources for the spread of the gospel. And uh, so that was, that was really cool. And then thinking into the next couple of verses, we see that they had, they were very poor. And that despite the the severe test of affliction, they and extreme poverty, they had 
overwhelming joy in Jesus, kind of like what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Um, and so despite the suffering and despite the poverty, uh, they were extremely generous, and that was just an overflow of joy. And actually, I uh, just looking for like a quote or something that seems very applicable. I was reading an article uh, by John Piper uh, on this chapter, and he said, he kind of summed it up, and I, he talked about this joy that overflows, and he said, genuine, Christ-exalting, spirit-empowered, sacrificial love for people is the overflow of joy in God that expands by meeting the needs of others. So this sacrificial love for people rooted in a joy in God comes out of us in terms of us supplying others with the needs they have and supporting others in their mission. And so uh, they gave beyond their means, kind of reminded me of Exodus 36 when they're building the tabernacle and the people give more than is even needed. And uh, so this is them. uh, They want to give. And actually in verse four, getting to where Andre was, they're begging for the favor of taking part. Well, that's the ESV, but you can actually translate favor as privilege. They want the privilege of giving. Like it's a privilege to give. We like to think of money as like, oh, I have to give my money. Like God commands it, so I'll do it. But they they view it as a privilege to support the mission. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's really good. And, and they really do see it as a privilege. And um, and like I said, while while Paul is kind of is pointing to this example so that they re-examine, you know, their current um, generosity and their giving situation, but but he does commend them in some things in, in verse seven. And I'll kind of circle back, but um, he does commend them in their faith, their speech, their knowledge. Um, uh, and, and lastly, in, in their earnestness. Um, and, you know, he's not, you know, he's not trying to condemn them here, but he is pointing them to an example of, of maybe how they should be taking part. And there's a reason why. And the reason why is in verse five, because uh, the churches in, in, in Macedonia, they, they want this privilege, as Michael said. But the reason why is because uh, they're giving themselves first to the Lord. So um, Paul might be the one who is, who is, you know, pointing out this need. He's, he's asking for, for these um, monetary donations to to give to those in Jerusalem who who might who might be more in need than than those in in Corinth or even in in the churches in Macedonia, um, and so we know that as Paul says, you know, after that, you know, give themselves first to the Lord and then by um, the will of God to us. So Paul's identifying this. He's uh, you know God's will is for them to to be generous and to be loving. But more so than that, they are giving themselves first to the Lord. They're giving what is theirs, uh, acknowledging it, that uh, that comes uh, really from God. And, and that's why they need to be good stewards of that, be generous and partake in that privilege of, of, of helping and loving others. Yeah, it's really good because I think that where we kind of go amiss, like if we're going back to this whole idea of applying this, because yes, they're giving to a specific mission then, but it should be prescriptive in the sense of like it should inform if Paul's commending the Macedonian churches and he's thinking through like how the Corinthian church can be giving I mean it should inform how we view giving and especially it will in the next chapter which is what a lot of people talk about being a cheerful giver if this love that Andre is talking about isn't informing our giving then I think we're missing the point like it's not like a it's not like an improper fear of God that's driving our giving or just like feeling like it's a duty. It's not, and it's not just a privilege. It's a privilege that comes out of the fact that God has loved us and uh, has given things to us. And um, actually an analogy I've heard before is that if you were giving to your church and you gave your church, 
let's just say you had a lot of money. You gave them $50,000, but then you find out that your pastor goes and buys himself a new Tesla. Well, you would f- you would feel that he misused the resources that you provided the church with. You would think that he should have been using that money on the kingdom and what the church is doing as an outpost of God's glory in that space. And instead he went and bought him, he spent it on himself. He was selfish with the funds, basically. But if we're spending all of our resources on ourselves, we're doing the same thing with the money that God has entrusted to us. We're to be stewards of that money, not to hold it and use it on ourselves, but we're to be an outpost and to be using it for the spread of the gospel. And so we can't misuse and spend what God has entrusted to us either. Just as we're entrusting money to our, to our own local churches, God is entrusting money to us for his glory. And we will kind of get into that a little bit because, you know, Paul kind of does uh, take some measures to make sure that, you know, they're not going to say that, um, he is misusing this money or uh, using it for his own personal gain. But what I do think is interesting, uh, lastly, in, in this uh, first seven verses here, um, is that Paul is he ends with, um, you know, he is he is giving them this example. He is, you know, bringing them back into how they should be viewing their generosity. But he sees, but he says uh, to see that they may also excel in this in this act of grace. Um, and we've seen how Paul uses. Uh, you know, these analogies of, you know, um, how, um, you know, he, he writes of in his letters, how, you know, they, they should love others just as, you know, they have received, um, Christ's love and, and here in verse nine, and I won't get into the second part of it, which we'll probably like go like more deep into, but, um, he says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's saying just so that you may, um, you know, also partake in this act of grace um, and being a good steward and, and being generous and, and using that as a, as a means of, of showing love for other believers. I think, I don't think that Paul is uh, just saying um, in terms of, or I guess rather, I don't think that Paul just, just means in terms of, of um, money and monetarily uh, generous, but I think he, he's also, you know, um, calling in terms of, I'm sure in terms of other gifts, um, that would have helped the church in Jerusalem, um, and more so applying to us, you know, our time in addition to our money, but also our, our time, um, other gifts, um, and other resources that we may, we may possess and may have an abundance of and, uh, giving that to, to help others. Yeah, it's really good because, uh, and again, this is not, we're not in first Corinthians, uh, this season, but, there's a lot of good stuff there. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks a lot about how God, had, and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 really, but 12 is the focus, how the entire church is this body of Christ. And then Paul uses the body, like some have gifts that are like, you know, they're like arms or, you know, you can't, the whole body can't function without the arm. The whole body can't function without the foot. The whole body can't function without the head. The whole body can't function without the heart. Like there's all these different gifts that build up the church together not just our resources, like generosity is a spiritual gift that's listed in the Bible. But if we're not using all of our giftings and all of the things that are entrusted to us from God, whether it's the gift of teaching, gift of encouragement, gift of hospitality, whatever it is, then we're not actually serving the local body as we're intended. Not just the universal church, but we're intended to take those gifts specifically to a local body and practice them uh, for the for uh, Jesus' mission here. And getting into verse 9, what Andre was alluding to, This is my favorite verse in the chapter. I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. 
And just to give a little bit of exegesis or a little bit of breakdown of the text, it's talking first about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is summing up everything God has done. Like God has promised a Messiah. God has provided one who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the dead, who ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's interceding right now for us. He's going to come again one day and He's going to. we're going to reign eternally with him. Like it's summing up everything God has done through Jesus. And Jesus was rich, not economically. Jesus was rich eternally and in heaven. And uh, actually, uh, one commentator, just to quote him, uh, says it really uh, well, he says uh, that Christ renounced the divine fullness of power in which he dwelt with the Father, abandoned the heavenly glory which was his as the Son of God. He chose the poverty of human existence so that through his poverty he could impart the eternal riches of redemption to the poverty of all for those whose sake he became poor. So Jesus becomes poor for us. I mean, if you spend any time in Philippians, I mean, you can think of Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. And it goes and it goes into that at deeper length. But it's basically saying Jesus was in the heavenly realm and co-eternal with the Father, and he came down to earth in the form of a human being, uh, so that we might be reconciled to God. I mean, that's the gospel, and that's what has happened through this. And that informs how Paul even thinks about generosity, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that is really good. And and like Michael said, uh, the riches uh, Christ possessed in heaven, and, and then kind of uh, showing that with the poverty, and the commentary I was reading said that, you know, in the end, like right before uh Christ was going to experience or, you know, the, the cup of, of the wrath of God was going to be put on him so that he could, you know, die for our sins. Um, you know, he goes to his own land and, and says, you know, he doesn't even have a place to, to lay his head right in his, in his own city and seeing how, you know, that like extreme example of, of him taking on, um, all of that sin. Right. And, and kind of that analogy, and comparing that also with the churches in Macedonia and, and how they too are, are more poor um, than those in Corinth. And then seeing um, all the, the riches, or this is kind of more metaphorical, but but the riches that Christ uh, gave up also for their good. And, you know, he's kind of saying, you know, you might fall somewhere in between that poverty and, and, and that uh, richness that Christ experienced. But regardless, he's saying that he's going to give this judgment and that is that when he first told them that, you know, they were going to um, give for this cause and, and he was, you know, preparing them with this plan of how they were going to do that, um, you know, he says that they had started doing this well um, and that they had had a desire to do it. Um, but he's saying now they need to finish well. So this kind of implies here that they've kind of slacked on this. Um, they've kind of lost sight of why it is that they're generous. They've lost sight of the gospel and, and how that uh, kind of um, should inform their uh, decisions on their generosity and, and uh, kind of all the things that they've been able to uh, take part in because of um, Christ's own grace and his own, you know, generosity and love for us. And now uh, they've kind of lost sight of that and they're not uh, completing or fulfilling the mission uh, set before them. That's really good. And just thinking, I just want to say one more thing about verse eight or sorry, verse nine. And this isn't like thinking specifically economically or fiscally, but more generally about our spiritual lives, if we become rich, obviously this is not a health and wealth gospel. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not into any of that, and neither is Andre. But 
It is saying we become rich, and we become rich because, I mean, God has lavished his grace upon us according to Ephesians 1, and it says in Ephesians 2 that God is going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace. So what are the riches that we get shown by God? His grace. That's so cool. That's so awesome. So we're rich in Jesus, but if let's take a worldly perspective on the lottery or something, for example. If you win the lottery, worldly perspective, you don't put it all under your bed. You spend it, you invest it, you use it. But when you win the lottery, you use it because the idea of winning the lottery is like, oh, I'm rich. I can buy a new house. I can get a new car. I can do whatever I want with that money. And you have to put it to use. And the same thing is like, if we're rich in Jesus, like, do we actually believe that we're rich and that it's like worth investing time in and worth spending and worth, uh, Put, giving our attention to like I've heard worship defined as just giving attention to something like are we giving attention to the riches that we have in Jesus I mean that's a question we can all reflect on whether that we think about it in a fiscal sense or just in a in a more broad sense of our entire lives and like Andrew is saying like getting into verse 10 I mean I think it carries over because verse 10 begins with the word and so and in this matter he gives his judgment that like he wants them to complete the work that they've started. The people of God don't have integrity for having a vision. They have integrity for carrying out the mission and the vision that God has given them. And so he encourages them to uh, keep doing that. Yeah, that that's really, really good. And then the next interesting thing that I saw was kind of getting into this uh, uh, idea of, of fairness um, and um, what is or isn't fair, uh, giving below or above one's means and, and all these ideas that Paul's kind of getting into. And it's very interesting because in this idea of fairness, we see that the churches in Macedonia um, gave above what they could have, above their, what their means were uh, when they were extremely poor. And Paul is now introducing this idea of, you know, what truly is, is um, fairness um, in light of, of, of the gospel and in light of uh, this uh, um, already uh, commitment that they had made to... Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So you're talking about all this, but don't all these problems get solved if we just adopt a communistic system? Mm, I mean, depending on... Uh, I, I think... <laughs> I think uh, I'm just messing ec- with economically, I think uh, in in this you know perfect ideal world, ideal world, if everyone um, you know love had the this perspective of of love and uh, generosity towards um, others and and other believers, then I think that that would solve um, a lot of problems. But specifically here, thinking of of this you know fairness topic kind of gets into that <laughs> because because you know Paul is telling them that you know they should give above their means, right? And, you know, kind of how that plays out for them is that they made this commitment to serve and um, to uh, provide for the needs of, of, an, of another church. And now they kind of need to follow through with that. Um, and, you know, he's saying that they have, they have much and need to, and need to be good stewards of that and need to be generous. And, and they do need to give above um, their, their means and, and kind of addresses this idea of fairness here. Yeah, I'm just messing with Andre. Uh, again, this is a voluntary giving. And just like in Macedonia, like they want to give and he's urging them to have a new heart that they'd like desire to give. Hey, look at what Jesus did for you. Let's give towards the mission. This isn't a state course giving or a state taking of goods or anything of that sort. So I'm just messing with them. But it is interesting. Um, back to the Old Testament. 
how in the in verse 15 here we have an as as it is written and this isn't like a common verse like when we when we were in second corinthians chapter 4 and we were seeing like how and and 5 like this description of new creation and then second corinthians 4 verse 6 i'm pretty sure talking about how like god who said let light shine out of darkness like we had easy understandable references to genesis 1 and how god can create and how god creates a new heart a new creation but we kind of have a random reference here back to Exodus 16 and verse in verse 15 of, of our chapter today about how God is giving them this manna from heaven. And when they gather it, um, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. So uh, each of them gathered as much as they could eat. So Paul kind of sees this as like a pattern for how God is going to give, or as uh, Garland says in his commentary, a divine pattern for the distribution of material possessions. Like, uh, so he sees this in light of what God has already done, that God is providing enough regardless of the giving and the fact that they can give and they can still have enough. They can collect little and still have enough. They can give much and still have enough. And so he kind of encourages them with this verse from Exodus 16, which I think is really, really awesome because I love Exodus and we may be talking about Exodus more in the future. We, we may be doing that, uh, but <laughs> last, last point about uh, this year, I think what is interesting is that, you know, clearly Paul's not making any, you know, um, statements that, you know, they need to, you know, give or, or they're going to like lose what they have or, you know, whatever. I think, you know, he's saying, you know, despite, you know, being the poorest of congregations or being one that has um, people who are middle or class or above, like here in, in, in Corinth, he's, you know, he's saying that uh, no matter like what situation you're in, uh, the important thing is, is the generosity of, of the heart, right? And the love for others. And I think that that is also displayed in, in kind of this next section where he's kind of, um, I think in, in large part saying a little bit about uh, kind of some of the steps that he's taking so that no one thinks that he's requesting this with uh, malintent um, either and, and kind of how there's going to be uh, different people who go and, and oversee the, the, the gifts, the, the money being given and, and taking it to Jerusalem and all of these things. So no one, you know, mischaracterizes his intentions either. And I, and I think that he is doing this out of a, a deep um, care for, for those who are, who are suffering as well and who, who need uh, these gifts. Yeah, I really like that you said that because that was literally the next thing I was going to say was this deep feeling he has. Look at verse 16, earnest care. So he says, Titus and I have that same earnest care. Verse 17, he's earnest. Verse 22, we see earnest twice. And in verse 7, he co he commends them for their earnestness. So I was kind of thinking like, gosh, I have read earnest like 15,000 times in this chapter. So I just wanted to see a simple definition just to, I mean, you can read and understand it in the context, but just to understand that, as Google says, just a sincere and intense conviction. And Paul has a sincere and intense conviction about the gospel and its implications about giving to the mission and about supporting churches and supplying needs of other believers. Like, we're to be a household of faith. We're not, I mean, this is why the Bible always talking about, not always, but there's different parts, First Corinthians and then back in the, the law of the Old Testament, but about like, or and in, in Proverbs, but about like not charging interest to a brother. Like he's he's he wants the people of God to be supporting each other with the mission and what they need. Like they're if they're poor, if they need if they have needs in Jerusalem, like let's support them. And he has a earnestness about it. He is sincerely and intensely convicted. So I just want to do a little word study. Like he's earnest and we should pray for that same earnestness. 
And you say uh, you shouldn't charge interest to your brother. You might want to talk to our buddy Grant who tried <laughs> offering me that 4.29% interest. Uh, I'm going to send him this after. The context of that is that I am getting this loan for law school. And actually, I've never said on the podcast. I'm going to Texas A&M, so gig him, I guess. But maybe I'll feel that with more earnestness later on. But I was making this comment about 4.3% interest rate on a loan for this fall, and Grant said, I'll give you the same amount of money for 4.29%. But I'm going to tell him to listen to this and tell him that Andre called him out. He needs to uh, follow the scripture. So thanks for that, Andre. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really funny. But uh, these last kind of, uh, I don't know how many verses they are. I don't know why I put myself in that situation. Eight verses. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, yeah, but these last eight verses or so kind of really get at uh, Paul's heart and his desire to um, here in the in in the in verse twenty one, um, his aim to be uh, to do what is honorable in the Lord's sight and also in the sight of those um, in Corinth and and also those uh, in Jerusalem and be a good example for those in uh, the churches in Macedonia. And he wants to have good intentions and he wants to um, set up a situation where they can have trust in him and have trust in. Uh, the mission that uh, God has for them and uh, that, you know, they can have, um, you know, confidence that their money will be used in the, in the right way and, and used in a way that is, is glorifying to the kingdom. Yeah, really. I, dude, I don't know what it is. Every point is just spirit directed today or, oh, I hope it always is, but like literally everything you're saying is just flowing into exactly what I would have been talking about because you just said about they, how they can have confidence in him and confidence in what he's doing. And I literally wanted to talk about verse 21 where he says, we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but in the sight of man. And that sounds a little weird to us because we're like, well, should we be seeking the approval of man? Like Paul, you say in Galatians 1, to not be seeking to please man, not be seeking the approval of man, but of God. And if you were still seeking the approval of man, you would not be a servant of Christ. Like Paul, you say that. So like, why do you want to do what's honorable in the sight of man as well? Well, the point is that while the gospel should be scandalous and while we should want to push back darkness and be willing to be judged for our beliefs, that doesn't mean that our, our morality or our integrity should be at stake here. And so like our behavior and our our gen, like our how genuine we are with the gospel should be apparent and he doesn't want to be corrupt like if like when people get found out in these scandals in the church with money like that's exactly what Paul's talking about he wants to do what's honorable and he doesn't want to harm the witness to the gospel that all these all the corruption can bring so Yes, we want to be honorable in man's sight as well. We want to be, as pastors are to be, First Timothy 3, above reproach, because we want to give good witness to the gospel. Yeah, that's really good. And the, and the last point is is kind of his, uh, the uh, kind of just the title of this section uh, uh, and his words for, for Titus and, and how he's commending Titus and... Um, how you know he doesn't just want to just send anyone and just put anyone to oversee uh, this thing that's going to uh, be somewhat of a measure of his of his honor and, and the the uh, integrity of of what he's doing and the integrity of of the gospel mission here but he's sending someone who's honorable who's commendable who um has who's seeking after christ and who is who is known uh to to be seeking after um god um, who has also has a care, uh, as Michael pointed out, for this church and for the other churches. Um, it's not just anyone, right? He he says these things about Titus, um, and I think that that should also kind of uh, carry over to um, to today and and how we 
may take steps in our own churches to, uh, you know, uh, have that integrity when, when these things are going on and, and put honorable people in those positions. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of my last point and, and not super applicable to, to people who are um, in college and potentially not leading a church or, or that kind of thing. But I think it, it can uh, be applicable in that, uh, you know, in uh, our own witness, uh, you know, just having, you know, people around us who, um, you know, can provide us with that accountability and who are themselves, you know, honorable and, and, and taking those steps and, and trying to improve and, and, and all those things and, and kind of just taking it away from this generosity thing, but uh, more so something more applicable uh, to, uh, you know, college students and, and, and young adults, I would say. Yeah, the only other thing I have to add is that uh, the end, last verse, give proof for the churches of your love. Like he's telling the believers that are just local church attendees, like your giving and your generosity is going to be a reflection of your love for God, like he's not saying, oh, you're saved, therefore you have to do this. Like it's just going to give proof or you're not saved. But he is saying like you're saved and the, the outpouring of that is generosity amongst God's people. And so, I mean, today we covered Tatis, T, Titus, and tithing. And we'll talk to y'all on Thursday. See you guys next time.